everybody. Hi, friends. And welcome to the Haunted and the Wanted podcast. That over there is Janelle Morales. And that's Brittany Wittich. And we welcome you to our... We welcome you back, hopefully. Yes. Or if you're a newbie, I'm totally Welcoming you for the of acceptance. In awe of acceptance. Mm, we're I'm in accepting awe you. That I'm in awe that you're here. That's, okay. <laughs> that's what's happening right now. Thank you for tuning in. Yes. How's your day? Oh, my day was good. Um, I was driving here and I messed up because I came over late, later than I should have. But I was like ready to come. Let me tell you. We're going to talk about the news. Okay. Yeah, we're going to bring it up. Okay. Okay. So um, I was ready to come and then I had to take my dog out. So you've been like where I live and you know there's like a little park right there by the house a block away. But he really likes going on long walks. And so he'll always, like, give me puppy eyes and, like, pull in the opposite direction because he wants to go out and take our usual mile walk. Um, and we hadn't done okay. that today. Okay. And so we get out there, and I'm, like, I have full intentions to just go a block away. And then he just, like, looks at me. He's like, please, and I, I'm not done. I'm not ready to yeah. go back home. And my dog is older. He's healthy. He's fine. We're not worried. But the whole incident happened this weekend with – you know, the helicopter crash, and uh, yes. we lost nine lives. Yes. Um, Kobe Bryant being one of them, and his daughter, and then we had another family, a mom and dad, and their their daughter, daughter. who mm-hmm. played on the same team as Kobe's daughter did. Mm-hmm. And then we had the pilot. Mm-hmm. We had a, a woman who yeah, was a trainer yeah. at Mamba Academy, or that's what it's called, right? I think so, yeah. And then I think it was another woman another and her woman. daughter who was also on the team. I'm trying to remember how many kids there were. Was there two or three? I think there were three, including. Okay, yeah. then that makes sense. I think that's right. We'll okay. we'll look into it and we'll edit if we need to. But um, yeah. So we lost nine lives, and it was like, you know, it affected all of us in different ways. Um. So, that being said, we were very sad over the weekend. Um. And it just, I think it struck a nerve with all of us. I think one of the things that really hit for me was the fact that there were children with their parents dying. Yeah. And so that really stuck with me. Like, my parents are getting older. And so now I have that kind of, like, idea still stuck with me right now. And then also my dog. Like, you know, I was like, what if this is the last time? I don't think it will be. Like Aww, I said, yeah. You went that far. I did. You went deep. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he's fine. I don't think anything would happen. But, like. My thought when he gave me those eyes was, what if this is the last time I see my dog? And I could have taken him on his last walk because he fucking loves walks. Mm. And I didn't. So I was like, all right. So (laughs) point of the story is we went on our long walk and it was nice. And I got here late. I hit all the traffic. I didn't find good parking, but I made it. It was just a bad day. No, it was a good day. And my dog got his walk. But traffic sucks. Traffic does suck. But I was in such a good mood about spending that time with my dog. That I just played Post Malone the whole way here. And I was jamming He out. always gets you through. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Many. There's a lot of traffic, but I'm going to make the best of it. I'm just going to listen to Post Malone. Yeah. And okay. I was very happy. And now I'm here with you. So now I'm extra happy. Oh, yay. So that was my day. How was your day? That was good. How was it work? <laughs> <laughs> nice, Brittany. Woo-hoo! Short, sweet. Short, sweet. To the point. To the point. Love it. We have two personalities here. <laughs> We got the one who starts thinking I that mean, her dog is going to die, and we have the girl who's <laughs> just like, I went to work. Yeah. yeah. Same old Monday through Friday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
So yeah, just want to say, um, you know, we're exciting. grateful for all of you. Yeah. Each and every one. Mm-hmm. We are. I'm grateful for you, Britt. I'm grateful for you, Jeanette. And we're both grateful for Post Malone. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. And that's all that matters. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. And our dogs. And our... <laughs> our dogs are... We don't deserve fucking dogs. They're amazing. Truly. Amazing creatures. Yeah. So that's how we, we took the news, right? It was harsh. Yeah. It's never fun. And there's a lot of things, like... There's two people that heard within just January besides this helicopter crash that have died. Yeah. So it's two of um, my coworkers' moms. Both of their moms died. So it's like it's hard. Yeah. But I, it's like mm-hmm. my my one like my best friend at work. Um, her dad passed away too, and it was really really sad because like three months ago he got diagnosed with cancer. Mm, that's one and of my workers too. It's so hard to watch them like Yeah, and they were like it's so we hard. believe he has to because they were still figuring out what kind of cancer and how far it was. Mm-hmm. And then within a month they were like he he doesn't have he's stage four. Mm-hmm. And I think he made it through the holidays and then he passed away. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah, I'm glad she got to go through the holidays with her mom too. Yeah. Ooh, it's so sad. I can't imagine. Yeah, my mom is my best friend. So like, oh yeah. Let's not. <laughs> let's not. But yeah, I know what you I'm mean. Sorry. That's why. Yeah, I think that's why it impacted. I mean, obviously, um, the majority of people were affected by Kobe's loss because mm-hmm. he's like the basketball star who's been the a Lakers forever yeah. and all of that. But I think also uh, when the news came out, you know, that his daughter. Yeah. I think that was like. The truly tragic part. Yeah. You know, it's never it's never fun to lose anyone. No, and it's never easy. And uh, especially when it's kids. Yeah. So oh, we're sending all our, our, you know, our good well wishes. Thoughts. Thoughts and prayers. What what does that do? Nothing but you know, they're they're in our mind. <laughs> so sad to it's, say. <laughs> you know, but they mean nothing. But we're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, we're just, you know, trying to keep it positive. Okay. So I'm going to turn it into something happy because I'm getting really depressed and my story is also depressing. So we're just going to nick that. Wait, your story this week is a haunted one and it's sad? No. Mine's true crime this week. Oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, carry on. Sorry. Stop getting confused. Sorry. I'm just kidding. It's okay. Um, But no, mine... It's crime. But anyways, so say these people come back into our lives, right? Who's Through our paranormal tales, right? Okay. So you know how I've always been scared that like something's going to come in here <laughs> because we're talking about it? Uh-huh. Oh, I my God. Went, no, no, no. Oh. I went and <laughs> nothing's happened. Okay. I would have freaked the fuck out already. Okay. No, we're okay. Um, You went. I went to Bath and Body Works. Don't judge me. This is a hilarious story, and I'm gonna stick by it because I, I'm, I'm rolling with it. So I was going through because their candles were on sale. Okay. <laughs> so I literally bought a candle that has sage in it. <laughs> I thought it would help. <laughs> I like that. It's like white tea and sage or something like that, but it's in this room mm-hmm, and course. it's open. But I, I'm not lighting it. Okay. Like I'm not that far into this, but there is now essential oil of sage in here. That's good. Right? Protection. 
Exactly. It made me feel a lot better about myself, even though it means absolutely nothing. Hey, it's here to protect us. Maybe that's the reason why nothing's happened. Maybe, but I just got this candle two days ago. But I'm still really excited about it. Okay. I'm proud of you. I had to go get new candles, man. All of mine were Christmas, like holiday scents, and I'm just so over it. They smell so good. But the end of January, I was like, I need something like fresh, (laughs) not like a cookie. Can I tell you something? (laughs) Yeah. My Christmas tree is still up. Jeanette, no, take it down. You have until the 6th. The 6th is when Disneyland takes down all of their Christmas stuff. Okay, so I don't know that. And their holiday stuff, I'm sorry. Their holiday stuff, and that's when you have to take down yours too. Okay. I told Andrea the same thing. We need to have Andrea come on here. We talk about her every freaking episode. (laughs) She needs to just come and introduce herself. But um, I told her that. She was like, she told me like a couple days after Christmas. Like, I haven't taken down my tree yet. And I was like, you have until the 6th. After the 6th, there's no excuses if... Disney can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Did she take it down yet? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just me. Yeah, it's just you. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep you Dude, guys. I took mine down what the next immediately. day. The next immediately. day. Immediately. I'm like, my stuff. you Grinch. Well, we were having a New Year's party, and I couldn't have my Christmas stuff still up, so I had to. You're just... right. That's so tacky. It is. It's so tacky. I can't. Do it would have been like you tacky ass bitch. I can't say here. <laughs> this is New Year's. This is not your Christmas party anymore. Well, are you coming over for the Super Bowl? Yeah. Who are you rooting for? I don't even know who's playing. The 49ers and the Chiefs. If I'm wrong, that's going to suck major ass. Um, but to my understanding, that's I'm gonna, going. I'll go for the 49ers. Right, you don't go for the commercials? you got to go for the commercials. Yeah, the commercials are Oh, my God. Okay, speaking of commercials. <laughs> I was up at my parents' house this weekend. <laughs> okay, so me and my mom are watching this show. And I don't know what show. Probably a movie or something. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Dunkin' Donuts commercial, okay? <laughs> you might have seen it. No, I don't know that. if you've tried it either. But it's for, like, their new plant-based, like, sausage sandwich or something, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best commercial. My mom had tears, right? Tears coming down her eyes. And she was like, why didn't they wait for Super Bowl to push this out? Whatever. But anyways, it's, like, their new employee of the month. Okay. <laughs> And it's Snoop Dogg. Okay. Because it's a plant-based. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so it's for a plant-based sandwich. And so they sent in Snoop as the employee of the I book. love that. It's fucking hilarious. You know, I love seeing Snoop on things. I love oh, seeing Oh, I know. Him. He's so awesome. Have you seen him or heard him, I should say, doing the voiceover for animals? Like, he'll... Uh, I don't think so. There's, like, clips of nature. Like, so there's one of a mongoose, I think, by <laughs> what? running away from some snakes. <laughs> and he's like, that's the, the mongoose right there. And he's just, like, talking like Snoop. Oh my and God. he narrates, like, a like a two or three minute clip. But there's a couple of them. And they're... That's hilarious. Yeah. We'll have to pull them up right now. Oh, yeah. We're gonna have to. But on Snoop on anything is great. Yeah. And so the freaking Dunkin' Donuts commercial. I need to see that, the too. The best. We'll yeah. pull that up, too. They should show it during the Super Bowl. That's why you go for the commercials. Yeah. They could have won. Man. There's always, like, a contest of the best commercial. And usually it's Doritos that wins. Yeah. Dunkin' would have, like, knocked everybody out of the park. This is the best. It was so good. Okay. Anyways. I don't think I have anything else. I talked about my candle. I talked about the Snoop Dogg commercial. <laughs> we talked about things. the news. Yeah. We okay. covered it all. So, now it's our social media news. Okay. Make sure and follow us on the Haunted and the Wanted for our Instagram. That W Podcast. T-H-A-T-W Podcast on Twitter. And send us your stories. Oh, my gosh. 
I want them. We want, want them. them. We want them. The podcast, mm, we don't need them. I we guess. need I them. I shouldn't say that. We really want them. But if we get them, you guys will be blessed with two episodes a week. Right? It would be so cool. You could hear our voices twice. Unless. Every <laughs> Monday and every Wednesday. We've already decided our dates. Yeah. We just need more stories. Yes. Send them in. Mass, please. Mass. Please. Immediately. Immediately. Right now. Today. But first. The 29th. The 29th of January. Yeah. Send them in. We need them. Okay. I mean, if you listen to this on the 30th, we will still accept them. <laughs> <laughs> or any, any point any after Any day between now and... We're desperate. Oblivion. <laughs> Please send them down. Please. You're never supposed to say you're desperate out loud. It's, dude, it's the year of honesty. Maybe they'll appreciate... Is 2020 the year of honesty? Yeah. Is that like the rat? Is the rat honest? I, I don't oh, know, okay. but... It's what we're doing on this podcast. Okay, honestly, we are. We really desperate. We're, we're we really we want we want them. We're on our Please, knees. Brittany really, is literally on her I'm knees. on. That's not honest, Jeanette. <laughs> okay, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> but please send your stories. Please send your stories. We really want them. Okay, anyway, and then send you them don't to the haunted and the have haunted. to hear us beg anymore. Right. Well, stop asking. If you send them in, isn't this cringy? Like you don't want to hear this every week. Right. Every week it's just boring. Blah blah blah. Send in your stories. But if you would do it, we'll shut the fuck up. We will shut up. Mm, I mean, we'll, we'll stop have, asking. We'll stop asking for two minutes straight. We'll just ask for 30 seconds. Yeah. So that way you can push the 15 second forward button instead of being like, oh, they're still talking about their Gmail. Yes. Okay. okay. So send them to the haunted and the wanted at gmail.com. Um, I added it to our description this week. So Yay. there are no excuses. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready to tell you my story. Okay. Ready? Ready? Let's set, go. go. This week, I'm going to be talking about the Hinsdale House, which is also called the Dandy House. Dandy? Dandy. That's the last name. Yeah. Like, it's a like, dandy day? It's a dandy-ass day. All right. Yeah, cool. it's a dandy-ass house. Love it. It's located on 3830 McMahon Road in New York. Ooh, New York. Yeah, I've never heard any story coming out of New York like Me this. Me neither. I want to go to New York. Have you been? I went when I turned 16, but it was like... I was 16, and it was for three days, yeah. so we literally just went to, like, Central Park and the FAQ thing. Like, we didn't get to, like, party. Right. <laughs> like, I went to New York when I graduated from high school, I think, and I hated it because we went in the middle of summer. Mm. It was so humid. Oh, yeah. And also, I was just, like, a moody-ass teenager, and, like, I was going through, like, teenager problems, so I was, like, mad at the world. Like, so I didn't want to go. My hair, it's too hot. Yeah, and I didn't want to go to start with. Like, I wanted to stay home and party with my friends. So I was just, like, in a bad mood the whole time. So oh, yeah. I I don't dislike New York, but, like, my experience was not good. But I think that was just me being a bitch. Mm-hmm. So back to the Hinsdale house. Um, today, the current owner of the house is named Daniel Clays, or Claus. K-L-A-E-S. Claes? Claus. I don't know. Daniel Claus. It's like backwards of Santa Claus. Okay. So, Dan Claus. <laughs> and he uses the house as a research facility for paranormal investigators. Ooh. Yeah. And in fact, the house is also open to the public. The public. And those tours? Mm-hmm. Nice. They have a lot of activities going on all the time, which include overnight investigations, day tours, and special events. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't go. 
You'll find out why. It's scary. So one of the most intriguing parts of the story is that the hauntings have been reported over time by multiple families. So it's not just one of those cases where like one family is, yeah, or like, yeah, it's been a continuous kind of thing. Good. And it probably has to do with the fact that the house or the land that the house was built on top of has a very sinister and dark past. So just last month in December of 2019, a movie was released called Hinsdale House. And it's also been featured on an episode of A Haunting on the Discovery Channel back in 2006. And then again, 10 years later in 2016, when it was featured on Destination America's Paranormal Lockdown. Mm -hmm. So the house itself is just a big white farmhouse. And it's pretty isolated from all the other properties that are in the general area because it's mostly surrounded by a forest. So stay out of the forest. Yes. Very creepy, right? Yes. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the land that the house was built on was actually I don't think I mentioned this, but anyway, it was built on Native American bur- burial, 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 burial. Either way, so it was built on Native <laughs> American lands, and similarly to how Griffith Park is claimed to be cursed, it is said that this land was also cursed, but this land was cursed by the Native Americans who were stripped of their land. Good for them. I wish I could curse land. I Damn wish it. I could curse. I mean, these people have fucking people. power. So if someone kicked me out. I'd be like, oh, okay. well, this is cursed forever. Because that's basically what they did. The story is that when the land was taken from them, they put a curse which would prevent any future spirits that ever lived there from being able to move on when the person died. So anyone who died there was kind of like cursed Damn, to forever. Dead? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. So your spirit would always be there, right? Yeah. And this would ultimately make it so that it would be haunted for all of the wandering spirits who would be trapped there forever. Okay. So before we get into the specific paranormal reports from the house, I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the deaths that ended up taking place in the earlier part of the history of the house. Okay. So this is what I meant to say. In the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that the house is built on McMahon Road, right? Uh-huh. So that where the road begins, there was at one point a hanging tree where people would be hanged for their crimes. And there was a woman named Elizabeth who was married to a man, and he was sent off to war. Ugh. She was pregnant with his baby, mm-hmm. but she didn't start showing signs of being pregnant until after he was gone. So people thought she had committed adultery. <gasps> and obviously, what Ugh. are you going to do? Rumors. Yeah. Dude. You know, you can mind your business. Mind your own business. But no mm-hmm. one does. So right. the only logical Nosey solution ass, <laughs> was for her to be taken and hanged while she was still oh pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Her husband eventually came back from the war looking for her, but it was too late for Elizabeth and the baby. And they ended up meeting the same fate as many other individuals who were killed at that hanging tree on McMahon Road. That's so sad. So a little bit about the tree. In 2003... It was destroyed after it was struck by lightning, and it toppled over, and it fell into a nearby ditch. But, of course, you know, lightning struck, and then it kind of, like, parts of it exploded off. Yeah. So there were pieces of the tree scattered all around, and people who have visited have often taken a piece of the tree that they find. <gasps> no. Yeah, because they're that? like, I want to oh have a piece God. of history. No. Um, and what I've it's heard. Like taking lava from Hawaii. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Bad luck. They say it's actually no. really bad luck for yeah. anyone to do that. So oh. I'm pretty sure like most of it's gone by now because it's been a while. But if you ever go, don't take no, anything from there. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Moving on from the tree, um, we have the first two owners of the property, who were a pair of brothers, and they had a fun hobby. They would rob and kill people. So It's a great hobby. Yeah, so they would use their stagecoach, and I think they would just kind of go along. Do you know what a stagecoach is? Yeah, we're like your, your horses. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. was. Yeah. So I don't go to Knott's Berry Farm sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what the hell is a stagecoach? Yeah. I just know it's like a festival that people listen to country music. No, not that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, they would use their stagecoach. And I think this is what they would do. They would like ride up and down the main road. That was by the house. People just throw the bodies. And they would, yeah. No, they wouldn't throw. So here's what they would do. They would put the corpses inside of the house in the crawl space. Why would you do that? Wait. So. (laughs) So many questions. Yeah. You would Rob, kill someone, kill, and then put them in a crawl, like in your attic. I think it was in the basement, whatever, wherever the crawl space of your house was. That's where they were putting them inside the, the house. Oh, this is New York. Yes, this yeah, was a long time ago. Basement. But why what would you fuck? like put them in the like in a ditch somewhere? You know, dig a hole, but don't put them in your house. Wait, in their own house? In their own house! Wait, no, I'm confused. Hang on. <laughs> I'm confused. Like, they would go to, like, okay, so, like, they have five houses, right, that they're going to go... This is just... Listen. No, I think just people coming down the road, they would probably in another stagecoach. Or but they robbed... Yeah. So they weren't, like, robbing the house then, No, 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 they weren't robbing they the They were robbing the people. People, yeah. And then they would put the people in their stagecoach and take them to their house, and they would put them in the crawl space of their house? Yes. Of their own house. They would bring dead bodies back into their property. Their house had to have smelled so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, I don't know the logistics. How? Like, you're just going to keep 15 dead corpses in your your crawlspace? Just make sure you get one of those air fresheners that plugs in the wall. I don't think they had those at the time. And I don't know what an air freshener would do against, like, a rotting corpse. Mm-hmm. Candles can do a lot. Get your essential oils out, everybody. <laughs> I don't want to know why you know this. I love essential oils. I do too. But I mean, I don't think it would cover yeah. a dead corpse, right. but maybe some lavender. Eucalyptus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it was the burning sage because they were really trying to keep the the ghosts away. Yeah. Could be so many things. <laughs> All I know is that I was very confused when I read that. Okay. I wouldn't. I would That's never do that. Absolutely crazy. It's bad <laughs> shit. Let me take it back to my house. <laughs> Said no one ever, yeah. except these two brothers. <laughs> except these two brothers. You know, there's someone for everything. And you know, that was their hobby. I guess I don't blame them. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so whatever. I don't know what the whole story is, but that's mm. so they would have got it. Okay, so let's fast forward to 1943. Um, now, new people are living here. Okay. And there was a little boy, and his name was Emerson. And he was out in the backyard playing with his dad's buzz saw. Why? I don't know. But he buzz saw? Yeah. So, like, a chainsaw. Yeah. Okay. The chain, or the belt broke. It hit him in the head, and he died. <gasps> Ooh, that's terrifying. Yeah. So, now, in the 60s, there was two other brothers. Interesting. I hadn't... Notice that it's two other brothers. <laughs> but the two brothers, they were fat fighting, um, like a verbal altercation. Okay. And the fight started because the older brother wanted to convert from Catholicism 
to a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And the younger brother did not agree with this, so he accidentally shot and killed his brother. Oh, sure, accidentally, because mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Let so, people believe what they want to fucking believe. Just let it go. Not for this brother. In the early 70s, another family moved in. So these, this family actually has a name that I have for you. Okay. So they were uh, they were the Reese's, and they purchased the house. Oh, like Reese's. Yeah. 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 How fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe That's a they, cool last name. Maybe they... Maybe they invented Reese's. Yeah, I don't know if there was a connection. Mm. Now I want peanut butter. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they purchased the house and the surrounding land, and they had a plan, which was to build cabins, because their vision was to create, like, a little community um because it was pretty empty like i said so that was their plan and they also wanted to make it look more aesthetically pleasing so they wanted to put ponds in right to make it look cute Mm -hmm. now here's the problem to put in a pond you have to like dig into the land and as any good horror story if you disturb the land or like the the house or whatever that's when like shit really hits the fan right yeah so it said that this was around the time when the spooks really started coming out right Mm-hmm. So the hauntings got increasingly worse at this point. Another thing to take into consideration about the house is that Ed and Lorraine Warren actually ended up visiting the house. They were called in because of the paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. And from what I gathered, like they really don't go out unless they truly believe something's wrong. Right. And so they did. And they did, in fact, conclude that there was something extremely paranormal happening here. So now we're moving on to the next family. And they're the Dandy family. Yeah, so that's where the name, the namey, that's where the name comes from, right? <laughs> um, so the Danny family moves into the house and they rent it from the Reese family. At some point in the early seventies, they were a family of six. It was the mom Claire, the dad Phil, and then they had their kids Laura, Beth, Mike, and Mary. And again, like any good haunted house story, they move in happily. They think they found the perfect house. It's like a good size for the big family. And they love the fact that the kids can pretty much just grow up and be kids. You know, they they have all of the nature surrounding them. So they want their kids to be able to like go out and play and just like do kid shit. So they're all very excited. And mm-hmm. it's an ideal location. Um, but almost immediately they realize that something isn't right. So they start getting phone calls to the house. And it's not, like, grandma, it's not neighbors, it's just random-ass phone calls where they can hear, like, creepy whispering in the back. Or, like, just weird static noise, um, or weird background noise, right? They would also hear chanting and drumming coming from the woods. And this has been experienced by other people as well. So their neighbors and the people who now live in the surrounding community still claim that they can sometimes hear that same noise. No, I would not live there anymore. Well... They stayed there for a while. Um, not that. I'm talking about, like, your neighbors. Like, if your neighbor's hearing that coming from your house, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Bye. I'm over it. People usually stay. No. I can't. <laughs> well, not every... Okay. There's a family that you're really going to like, because they, like, immediately booked it. Okay, good. Yeah. So, we have someone... I like really, them yeah. already. Okay. So, the family... <laughs> it just got, like, worse and worse. <laughs> The dandies. Back to the dandies. Okay, yes, the dandies. They start getting burns all over their bodies. What the fuck? They have no explanations for how these burns are happening. They don't have any memory of them happening, but somehow they're just covered in fucking burns. Like all third degree burns. I don't know if they were third degree burns. But, still, but they had burns. They were putting aquaphor on that. Yeah. They also reported seeing a full body apparition of a woman who was in white. Um, and she was frequently standing outside of the house. 
And they would also see what they thought was, this part, I was like, what? They, they thought it was a demonic entity, but it was like a human-animal hybrid. And it was like, I guess, part human and part cow, which to me, a cow isn't a very intimidating animal. Like, I know they're big and I know that they could harm you. But if I was a demon and I wanted to, like, freak people out. But isn't it like. I don't um, think I would pick a cow, like a bull, maybe. Yeah. Like. <laughs> isn't there, though, like uh, a religion? Bitch, that... I'm a cow. What? Doja Cat. No. Okay. Oh no! Never sorry. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's probably that demon's ass. Well, no, no, isn't isn't there like a religion that um like they they praise cows? Yeah. Like they won't eat them. It's so maybe it's from that, and that's why it's like the the master is a cow. You know what? I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. But like when I read it, I just I was. Very I mean, confused. if I saw anything that was mixed with a human, <laughs> that's okay with true. This, so. I, I guess good point. So is the cow the top or the bottom? That's what I'm wondering. There was no like. <laughs> Imagine like a human leg, yeah, and the big cow. <laughs> I don't know, Britt. Chopping away at some grass tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Either way, like no matter what kind of combination, oh it's all ugly. Yeah. Even like. A lizard. I'm not okay with it. <laughs> a part lizard? human. I'm just thinking of any animal that's like part human. Yeah, no, no. nothing. Mm-mm. None of it. I love dogs. I would never want to see a dog human oh, hybrid. No, no, no. Absolutely not. That's terrifying. Okay, so we agree. Yeah. No. Cow human hybrid. Moving. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, like I said, oh, okay. So this part of the story really creeped me out. Um, Phil, the father was sitting down in the living room one day by himself. It was late at night. The rest of the family's upstairs asleep, right? So he's just chilling. And at one point he looks at the window and no, never never look at the window. Agree. (laughs) Never look at the window. Don't look in the window. Don't look in a mirror. Yeah. Just walk past it. It's fucking you don't want to know. <laughs> so he sees a bunch of faces staring into a the house. A bunch? Yeah, not just one. A group of faces. The fuck? And they're obviously like strangers. He doesn't, it's not like anyone he knows. So his first instinct is that there's trespassers and they're like probably trying to rob or something, you know? That was his first thought. So he runs. I hope trespassers would be like sneakier than putting everyone at the window. <laughs> Every <laughs> Usually single it's like one person with a pair of eyes trying to like peep it, right? Yeah. But anyway, his reaction <laughs> is to like jump up and run out the door because he's trying to like catch them. I don't mm-hmm. know why you would do that. It's it's a man thing, I think. A woman yeah. would never see a bunch of faces and run out the door, right? Yeah. But I think the man's instinct in this case was like, to like I'm big and scared. I'm gonna, I can yeah, protect I'm gonna take on all these faces <laughs> and protect Just my me and it'll be fine. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, he runs out. Um and there's no one outside. He doesn't see any shot. Like, because if they were to run away, you would see someone's, like, right. a leg, a fucking foot. <laughs> <laughs> Someone running through yeah. the bushes. <laughs> right? But he sees nothing, and he hears nothing. He doesn't hear footsteps, which you would have to listen, hear if, so, like, a bunch of people are running away from it, right? And then he looks back into the house, and he sees the same group of faces <gasps> staring back out at him oh, from no, the inside of his house. shit. Disgusting. Again, moving out. Let's go. Immediately. We're done. Let's get the fuck out. We're done. Yeah. So that was the story. That uh, chills. Disgusting. I don't know. I, I Absolute horror. Can't, I can't process it. I would die. <laughs> immediately drop dead. 
there's nothing else for me to do at that point. No. The houses aren't in my house looking out at me. Yeah. No. The houses are. The houses. I, know. I was going to correct The faces are in my The faces house. are in your house. Yes. No. Mm-mm. Okay. So progressively, things got more violent inside of the house. Um, at one point, apparently, like, a lamp just fucking flew across the room and hit one of the little girls on the head. And then it was reported that Laura, one of the daughters, was mm-hmm. possessed for a while. Like, she got a possession, and I guess it left. That's the story. And it wasn't for that long. But, I mean, it was I a possession. Yeah, It doesn't matter if it's, like, Five 20 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, Phil, the dad, started suffering from amnesia, and he would be completely unaware of the things that were happening around him to himself and his family. And at this point, they're really freaked out, as they should be. Uh, And so they decide to recruit the help of a priest named Father Alphonsus. And they ask him to exercise the house. And he does. And he does it while the family and some paranormal investigators were present, right? So during the exorcism, it said that the lights were flickering on and off. And there was banging coming from inside of the walls of the house. They described it as sounding like the house itself was screaming and a window even ended up breaking. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So the exorcism ended up working for only a few days. And then things went right back to normal, right? Yeah. So then Father Alphonsus comes back and he does a sex, sex a second <laughs> exorcism. Uh-huh. But this time nothing changed at all. Like, it didn't work. So then the Dandy family actually ended up moving out in 1974. Good for them. So Claire the mom. Yeah, but it's not all celebrations just yet. Claire, the mom, ended up writing a book about her experiences living there. And actually, their oldest daughter ended up dying by suicide after they moved out of the house. Aww. Yeah. It, so it's not clear why, but people have speculated. The house fucking crazy. Yeah. People have speculated that she never, like, recovered from that trauma, which yeah. I don't think I, I would think either. I could either. Exactly. Um, but even more sad is this. To this day, many people have reported seeing a little a young girl dressed in 70s clothing wandering the house so they reported it back to dan who's the current owner of the house mm-hmm. and he got in touch with claire the mom and he asked her if she had any insight to who the little girl could be because they were like the family who lived there in the 70s yeah. and it's been concluded by she both of them daughter. that it's the daughter Aww. and they believe that she whether by choice or not her spirit ended up going back to the house when oh, she died shit. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. After the dandies moved out, the Reese family rented the house out to many people, but none of them ever stayed for more than six months. Good. And like I said, this is a family that you're going to like. Okay. They came, and without within two weeks, they completely just booked it the fuck out. Good they, for them. They dipped. You go, guys. They literally left without packing up anything, and they completely refused to ever come back for anything. Even they in the day, they were just like, we don't care. Sell it all. Do whatever you want. But we're well, yeah, because what if something attached to it already? Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Keep it all. My debt is better than me being freaking yeah. crazy for the rest of my life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they just are gone. Never came back. Never heard from them again. Which I relate to. Yes. On a spiritual level. Good for them. I'm so glad something, like some family. Now hear this though. This is the complete opposite of everything we've just talked about. Okay. In the late 80s, there was an elderly couple named Flo and Joe. How fucking cute is that? Aw, they were meant to be. (laughs) Yeah. And they moved in because they were in (laughs) love. This is so funny. Okay. They were in love with how the house looked. Yeah. And when I read that, all I could think about was Drea and her, like, dream house. Oh, my house. God. Her, like, dream house. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> girl, you and Flo and Joe, you know? You're going to live together happily ever after. Yeah. 
So, Drea, this one's for you, girl. <laughs> um, but back to Flo and Joe. They bought the house because they wanted to renovate it, and they wanted to make it their final home. Like, they just planned to live out their, the rest of their no, life there. No, you can't touch it. They're going to... No, you can't renovate that house. Well, guess what? They did. No. They moved can't. in, and they stayed there for years. Were they... They didn't care. They were like, this is our home. It's going to be our home forever, and... We want it to be our final home, even though they knew. It's not like they, like, went in blindside. It's not like they saw the house and they're like, cute house, and then they were, like, ignorant. No, they knew everything that had happened, and they didn't care. They're like, that's our house. Maybe they thought, like, love and compassion would, like, make it better. Well, they end up living there for a long time, and supposedly they made a deal with whatever was haunting the house. According to Joe, when they first moved in, they told the house, if you leave us alone, we will leave you alone. Which to me, I'm like, all right. Wasn't everyone else leaving the ghost alone too? But if you like, I you struck the deal. You struck the deal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they said it, and then if you go into a house and you know it's haunted, I would probably do the same thing. I mean, I don't see myself moving into a house like, that I know is haunted. Yeah. But, but I mean, maybe if you'll you do, just like, like if you come in, like I won't mess with you, but do not fucking mess with me either, yeah. and we're cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm Peace. Yeah. So then Flo apparently also laid out the house rules right from the get-go. And she said this out loud. She said, you can stay here if you want to, but we aren't leaving. So she just like was like putting her foot oh, down. She's like, I don't She's give like, a fuck. scaring the fuck out of me. Exactly. She's this like, our house. Mm -hmm. So this actually reminded me of something that happened to me when I was growing up. Because okay. when I was like a kid, I've always liked like paranormal stuff, even though it like scares me. And like, I would never want to, I don't think I would want to see anything. Like, I think I want to. But I'm such a chicken shit that if it happened, I think oh, I would yeah, be so terrified. terrified. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I would watch all these, like, paranormal shows and, like, The Haunted and all that. And I remember that they said, if something paranormal happens inside of your house, what you need to do is try to remain calm. And um, I think they described it. This was so long ago that, like, I'm kind of putting shit together. But yeah. from what I remember, they said something like, the spirits or whatever it is, they can smell fear. It's kind of like a dog. Like, uh, if you're scared, they know. Uh -huh. And so what you need to do is, like, be as cool as possible. And they said, if something happens in your house, you have to, like, say in a calm, collective voice, like, hey, this is my house, and you need to leave. You're not mm -hmm. welcome here, right? Because I guess that does set up a barrier. Yeah. it's You're setting the rule, which apparently works. Yeah, I've heard it works, too. Um I'm not sure if it's the house my parents live in right now. I think it is. Um, but they, the guy that, a guy died there. I think he was on hospice. So he died there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if like anything has still happened now, but I guess in the beginning, like you would like maybe like hear someone walking or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my mom would like talk to it and be like, if you're looking for your wife, like she doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. Like we're sorry, like whatever. But like if you, I'm not sure where she went, but she doesn't live here anymore. And, yeah. Like, I, I've never felt anything with me being there. I mean, I don't like the bedroom that I think was his hospice room. I think it still feels weird. Yeah. It's like, I don't like sleeping in there, but I've never like heard footsteps. And I think in the beginning they heard something or like the blinds move or whatever. But my mom, like she'll straight up tell you like, yeah, like you're supposed to talk to them and like, let them know like I'm yeah. here and whatever. Cause even yeah. in this story, mm -hmm. um, there was, there's this one ghost that appeared to flow actually. And I guess she just woke up and there was a man staring at her, like at mm -hmm. the foot of the bed. And she talked to him and she was like, what are you doing here? And yeah. he said, I don't know. And then he disappeared. So I have heard that a lot of spirits are just kind of like stuck and yeah. they don't know. They don't know that they're not supposed to be there kind of right. thing. Mm -hmm. 
So in the episode of whatever haunted show I was watching, like, mm-hmm. they said, like, just tell them, you know, tell them that they're not welcome there. Yeah. Okay. So flashback to when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I showed up to my house after school and no one was home. Mm-hmm. So, which was normal. Um, and I go in through the front door and I walk past the, the living room. And so the way the house was set up was like, my parents' room was in the front. And then in the middle, there was a bathroom. And then you had to keep walking down the hall to my bedroom. So I'm walking down the hall. I pass the bathroom and I'm headed towards my bedroom when I hear that the water's running in the bathroom, right? So I, I look in and I see that the faucet is turned on and it's not like all the way on, but it's okay. like, it's not just like a little drip drip. It's like on, okay. which I thought was really weird. Cause my mom was like, she was, she would have been the one to be home before okay. I got there. Mm-hmm. And she's like super careful about things like that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think much of it. Like I went in, I, I shut it off and then I went to my room and I like took my shoes off or whatever, changed to get to my comfy clothes. And then I was walking back out to the kitchen or whatever. It was on again. And the fucking <gasps> faucet was running again. Dude. Shit. And it was like one of those faucets that you had to turn manually. Yeah. And so I like, dude, my stomach just oh, out yeah. of my ass. I'm so scared, right? But in that moment, what hit me was that that advice, oh, sure. like yeah. be calm, yeah. tell them to leave, right? So, but I was not calm at oh, all. Yeah, yeah. So I get in there and I'm like get the fuck out. I just started oh yelling. My God. I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. This isn't your fucking house. I don't want you here. You can't be here. And I just like go off on nothing else. <laughs> and then I like shut, like with all my anger, I shut the faucet off and I'm like, don't turn that shit on again. And I just like storm <laughs> out of there, dude. And I don't know. Oh my God. It was one of those weird things. I don't know if I like, forgot that I didn't turn it off. But dude, I have like the clearest memory of going in and yeah, turning it off. I did. Yeah, so it was probably mad at you, like, bitch, I was washing my hands. Like, Like, I wasn't done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they're still soap. (laughs) I hate soapy hands. I don't know. I'm going to be all sticky now. (laughs) Yeah, but, dude, I went off on that ghost. I was like, oh, bitch. What's going to happen again? You're not paying the water bills. Don't turn the shit back on. Facts. Facts. (laughs) (laughs) And it did not ever turn back on. See? You just have to set it straight. Yeah. So it's probably like, like, okay, mm-hmm. this bitch is crazy. I'm going to stay away from her. Yeah. I'm going to wash my hands when she's not around. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, back to Flo and Joe. <laughs> the couple did report that they heard and saw, um, like, paranormal things happening during their time at the house. Okay. But they said it was never, like, threatening. They never felt like they were in any type of danger. And they ended up living there for years. Like I said, they stayed there for years. And they both died. And when the first one, I don't know who went first, but whenever the first one died, like within a few months, the second person also died, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as a side note, from what it seems like, like the information I was able to find, it seemed like neither one of them died inside the house. Um, so neither one of them seemed to have been on the property when they passed away. Okay. So now in 2015, the current owner, whose name is Dan, um, purchased the house and he renovated it, but he doesn't live there. And instead, he'll just visit frequently. And he has previously stated that whenever he tries to stay there, he can't sleep for more than an hour at a time. So what he ended up doing was stripping it down. And then he turned it, like I said earlier, into a paranormal research center, right? Interesting. He claims that he has had many paranormal experiences inside of the house. And other paranormal investigators who have come to the property have backed up his claims. Mm -hmm. Some have said they received scratches all over their bodies when being there. Others have reported seeing the apparition of the woman in white outside of the house. One of Dan's friends, whose name is Nick, also came to the house because he just wanted to do some investigations. 
And he claims, your biggest fear, that something followed him back home. See, I can't. Yeah. That's one of the most petrifying things. I know. Every time I want to go do something scary. That's the one thing I think about. Yeah. I want to walk up to it and I'm like, like I said, do not follow me. I kind of want to see something somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like, I don't want it to come back with me. Yeah. And Nick. Literally my biggest fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he claims that something followed him home and things got so bad for him that he was having a really hard time coping with everything. Mm-hmm. And he swore he'll never go back to the house. But this is the more interesting part of the story is that later on future investigators kept coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And a group or I don't know who one individual, but they were doing a, a session and they heard something growling and hissing at them. Oh, and they also heard it was saying things to them like trying to intimidate them uh-huh. but then that same voice was heard asking where is nick so it was specifically <gasps> asking you got chills right now yeah i know that what the fuck it was like it knew <gasps> it knew his name no. and it was asking for him like why isn't he here where is he dude like my legs <laughs> yeah <laughs> gross oh right God. bro what if something was like where is britney I ain't nowhere. <laughs> Mind your business. You ain't gonna find your fucking business. He <laughs> said, I know. <laughs> no one can find me. I'm gone. <laughs> oh my god. If oh, that got back to Nick, which it probably has, right? Oh yeah. Uh, because I think from what I remember reading, they went back and they were like, Who's Nick? They asked Dan. And then Dan is the one who put it together. Yeah, he was he like, was Oh, playing. that's a friend, yeah. So, nope. Dan has reported that Flo, the older woman, mm-hmm. is still in the house. But he says that it's by choice and that she's happy there. And that she just had such a, like, love for that house okay. that she chose to come back there after she passed away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he also claims that he, he has tried to help many other spirits who are there move on. But according to him, he believes that something, the curse is actually working because there's something that's keeping them all from like being able to move on. So even if they want to, they're just kind of stuck in limbo there. Um, He also says that every time he enters the house, he blesses himself and he carries a figurine of a guardian angel to keep himself safe. And he warns that anyone who decides to visit the house should do the same. Protect yourselves, whether like you come in with some kind of protection, like a figurine that you believe in mm-hmm. or bless yourself or whatever it is. But at the very least, he says everybody needs to keep their guards up because if you're not going in there with your guard up, like something's going to get you. Mm-hmm. And then it's been reported that the house has it. Oh, this part was creepy, too, because it's been reported that the house has an energy that tends to just draw people in. Um, So, of course, there's people who are interested and they look up the place and they choose to go. But there's other cases that people just happen to end up there by chance. Um, Like I said, again, McMahon Road, Mm -hmm. people that are just driving by, a lot of their cars, like the battery will die or something will happen that causes the car to stop. And then they head over to the house. Um, Like I said, this part really creeped me out because I had a friend who told me one time that him and his, this, it, they were walking at night somewhere, right? Okay. And they were just chit-chatting. And before they realized it, like, neither one of them made the conscious decision to head in the different, the opposite direction. But something just, like, they both just turned around. And without thinking. From Griffith Park, the Griffith Park story, right? No, this was from another area. It's a different story? Oh, did I tell the story already? That they just started walking? Yeah. Oh, I forgot I told the story. But, yeah, like, something just, like, 
took over them basically because they just were walking and it took them a while to snap out of it and they were both like what are we doing why are we here yeah. and then they both kind of like ran out or whatever oh yeah but uh, that's yeah disgusting i i cannot no i hate it <laughs> so yeah if anyone is um who's listening right now wants to find out more about the ongoing paranormal occurrences that are happening here uh you should go follow the hinsdale house restoration project facebook page because Dan constantly reports and documents things that are happening. And then he has pictures and videos. And he actually also has live footage of the house rolling. So a lot of people claim that they can sometimes see like dark figures appearing in certain spots of the house. And yeah, that's pretty much the creepy history of the Hinsdale house. Nope. Disgusting. I I'm hate it. I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, uh, that's why I said I would never go there. Nope. Something's going to fucking fall. Bro, something's going to be like, where's Jeanette? Bring her short ass back here. <laughs> I'll just be like, I'm gonna go find her. It'd be like, just contact Brittany. She's probably with her. You bitch. <laughs> we don't hang out anymore. Podcast is over. It's canceled. Canceled yeah. until further notice. Yeah. You need a new co host. Because <laughs> something's out there looking for Jeanette. So she can't be over <laughs> That's creepy, oh right? God, that's super creepy. Uh, I know. That like gave me full body chills, like my legs turned into chickens. I know your face dropped. Literally, you went. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. I know. I'm so I'm proud that I gave you full body chills. You I know that's my, my number one fear. Like, yeah. That's my number one fear. <laughs> Something freaking following me. Yeah. I knew that would get you, and I was like, "This is perfect." Not. I have to freak her out. It's the absolute worst thing ever. Yeah. Guys, I just want to tell you that how much this podcast has affected my life. The other day I was researching. I don't think it was a story, but I was researching something, like a paranormal story. Mm-hmm. And it was late at night. And then, like, I got free- I freaked myself no, out. I tried to do that. So I, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this tomorrow in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I turned it off. And I was, like, still thinking about things, you know, like, paranormal yeah. stuff. And I was like, okay, let me, like, put something on. So I put on a podcast or something that wasn't related to anything crime. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. Um, but yet, like, my subconscious kept thinking about it, and in the middle of the night, like, I felt like I woke up, and I was, like, uh, experiencing, what's that called? Sleep paralysis. Because we're not. I don't know if I was or if I was asleep dreaming that I was, but if I was dreaming, like, in my dream, I woke up, and I was in my bed. So it was, like, that's why it was so realistic, because I woke up, and I was in my bed in my normal surroundings, and I was just stuck, and I could feel something. Oh, Jesus. And I was just like, no, nope. it's happening. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a dream, though. This isn't happening. Yeah. No. That's fine. I mean, I can tell you that since this podcast has became a part of my life, I have slept with my TV on maybe nine out of the ten nights. <laughs> it used to be zero. <laughs> it used to be zero. And now, literally, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm falling asleep to New Girl tonight. <laughs> I think after tonight's episode, like, it's going to be ten out of ten nights. Oh, yeah. It's it's intense. So guys, sure. my point is we're sacrificing a lot. Please my follow sleep us. Insanity. Please listen to us. <laughs> we're kind of losing our shit now. Just a little bit, but it's fun. I have a good time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like the night when I was like researching dolls and yeah. I wrote you. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, when I do research, I need to have like a party and like ten people over because I can't. I can't do this alone. Research I was, like, I can't party. Do it. Yeah, a research fun. party. That'd be fun. Yeah. Because yeah, I couldn't. We I should have, like, a little hub of research for um, podcasters. Just, like, they can all come together. Oh, yeah, we can all come together. Have a cute research. environment. Yeah. And, like, oh, there's and a lot of us. Mm-hmm. 
That'd be good. Yeah. We'll call it. I don't know. We'll call it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. The idea is kind of cool name. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah. my god, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for your story. Thanks. You today. said it was a good one, so let's yes. hear it. This is a good one. It's a longie, but it's gonna be fun. Really. I love longies. I know it's a good one. Okay. My story is one that's pretty well known. Okay. And it's from California, so it's pretty local. Okay. So they're not like in an empire local, but local, local. So southern or northern? Um, more northern California. It's always northern California, right? I know. Down here, you have like gangbangers and shit, but up there, you have like people that are well thought out serial, serial killers. <laughs> okay, so this man was born December eighteenth, nineteen forty-eight, in Burbank. Okay. Okay. His parents are Clarnell and Edmund. Okay. Still nothing? No. Okay. Um, he was an only child. I'm so sorry. He wasn't the only child. I'm so crazy. He was the only boy. Okay. <laughs> only boy. He was the middle child. He had two sisters. Mm-hmm. His parents divorced in 57 when he was nine. And he was moved to Montana with his abusive mother at that time. Still nothing? No. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, this is Edmund Kemper. He's the co-ed killer. I know the story. It's I don't. been a while? Yeah. Yeah. Refresh my memory. Okay, cool. I know once you start telling me, it's going to click. It's going to click, yeah. The name clicks. He's, I think he killed. Was it the sorority girls? That he went into a sorority house and killed a bunch of girls? No, no, no. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Who is that? I know that story, too. I'm trying to think of their name. I don't know. But anyways, no. Okay. So this is just some background on Sir Edmund and him growing up. He exhibited like antisocial behavior. He was he dropped on his head as a child. Or did he I didn't suffer? see anything about that. No. No, no I didn't. He has an amazing IQ. Okay. I think it's one forty five. Okay. Yeah. He's a smart psycho man but anyways so at the age of 10 this is one of the first things he buried their household cat mm-hmm. alive okay okay buried it alive once it died he dug it up decapitated it and mounted it on a spike its head you know that's average for a 10 year old right okay so next at the age of 13 he killed another family cat <laughs> he has something about cats but he kept pieces of this cat in his closet until his mother found them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He would perform rituals on his younger sister's dolls. Now, this piece, I mean, I think we've all done it, but it does say that he removed, like, their heads, like, the Barbie heads. But, I mean, we all, I feel like, did that at yeah, some point. Yeah, So, <laughs> it reminds I'm me not of... counting that against this guy. <laughs> like, I don't think that's something that's Dude, totally okay. awesome. So, real quick. Yeah. You watched Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Sid. Yeah. He did that. He did do that. In their universe, what do you think became of Sid? Ed Kemper. think so. Yeah, I could see it. Okay. I agree. I mean, like that one doll that's like the legs and then it has the fishing pole yeah. at the end. All and of them were the, the baby head one that's on like the, yeah. the, the spider looking thing. Or do you think the toys set him straight, like scared straight the show? Oh, yeah, because they scared him they at scared the end. They scared the shit out of him. Maybe like. They could have. They should have brought Sid back. Yeah, I wanted to, dude, I want a new movie Ooh. all about Sid. If you make us rich enough, 
We will create. Oh, we will work on creating a movie. That's all about. We're saying. pitching it. We can at least pitch it to Pixar because they you guys can't take our it. movie ideas. No, don't do that. That's so mean. Just keep listening. So that keep we- listening and supporting us, and then we'll make it for you. We'll, you don't have to do any. All you we'll have do to the do work. is tune in, tune listen in, to and our in dumb like stories. Twenty years, we're gonna find out what happened to Sid. Five years. But they have to make the movie, and making we're the movie takes we're like years. We're gonna do it. Five years. We're gonna make Five it years. ourselves. Five years. We're gonna mark record. my words. Don't say that. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, so this is another game that um, him and his sister and okay, so um, I watched the interview with Ed Kemper. He has a few of them on YouTube. Is he dead? No, he's still alive. How old is he? That's okay. No, I have it at the end. I did all this calculation stuff. He's seventy-one right now. Okay. Okay. See, I'm starting to catch on to what questions you ask me. <laughs> Okay, so one of the games that it was him, his sister, and in the interview, he says a close friend of his, which I don't know anything about the close friend, mm-hmm. but in the interview, is he says it's him, his sister, and this close friend. They played games such as the gas chamber and electric chair. Isn't that normal? <laughs> Didn't you do that as a kid? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, but he would ask his younger sister to tie him up and flip an imaginary switch, which imaginary is one thing. You could have just used the light switch, but... You know, they used another switch. Um, He would tumble over and struggle on the floor, pretending that he was being executed by gas or an electric shock. Got it. This one, I I don't agree with. The Barbie doll heads, I was like, okay, you know, everybody does it. No one does this. Yeah, no. Where's mom? Why? Or dad? How? Where? Sorry. Do you know how old he was at this time? Uh, No, but I'm assuming somewhere between 10 and 15. Okay. Not, I didn't even know what that was. If you asked me while I was in junior high to the beginning of high school what an electric chair was, I know I was a sheltered kid, but I'll be like, I have no fucking clue. I don't know what that is. I think I do. But still, like, it never crossed my mind to be like, play a game. I want to reenact that. Want to play a game? Okay. Anyways, um, supposedly he had near-death experiences as a child. Once when his elder elder sister tried to push him in front of a train. And I know, where was his parents, dude? So his older sister has issues, too. Apparently. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so supposedly she tried to push him in front of a train. Um, Another one was he was successfully, this was successful, so... the train wasn't successful, but they tried. And this, he was successfully pushed into the deep end of a swimming pool. By his older sister? This doesn't say. Oh, sorry. I don't want to assume. I don't want to put all the blame on her. Okay. It could have been somebody else. Um, but he almost drowned. Okay. Okay. So near-death experiences. I'm sorry. I'm such that person that brings up fucking Netflix shows. But have you watched The OA? No. You need to watch The OA. It's really good. Um, it's literally about, like, near-death experiences. And, like, this guy basically traps these teenager kids and he puts them through near-death experiences where he like drowns them. So he puts like this thing over their head and he Mm -hmm. literally drowns them on purpose just enough to kill them. And then he brings them back to life. So he's like supernatural. He has supernatural powers. No. He'll use like heart. Oh, he uses like medical equipment Mm -hmm. to bring them back. back. And then he like messes with them. And it's really good. I think there's two seasons, but it's a really good job. Um, Yeah. Note to self. Note to self, if you want to learn about, I mean, 
this isn't real, but <laughs> near those experiences, if you want to see something that'll make your head spin, go for it. But it's really good. Okay, so this is a little bit more about his upbringing, and this is about his mom and how his mom treated him. Okay, so Clarnell is his mom. She literally would make him sleep in a locked basement because she was fearful that he would harm his sisters. Honestly, can't blame her. But honestly, is she the reason that he's doing all this bullshit? Who's to say? Right? Like, it goes back and forth. Like, yes, I see that he's crazy, but honestly, like, aren't you the one making him crazy? Well. To an extent? Depends. If he started being crazy before she started being I mean, I guess. Okay. Hard to tell. We don't know. I don't know. Okay. So... The mom would regularly mock him for being, like, a really big guy. He was 6'4 by the age of 15. So, like, a tall-ass kid. Does he get sent to live with his grandparents? Is this, no? Someone else? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm catching up. Yes. Okay. So, she also would tease him saying that he was, quote, a real weirdo. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom's called me a weirdo before. But I think she probably meant it more. Oh, <laughs> real But she never called you a real weirdo. Probably not. She might just say you're weirdo. weirdo. Yeah. Okay. So this is something that makes me really sad, but she would refuse to show him affection out of fear that it would turn him gay. And she would also, uh uh-huh. And she would also remind him that he like looked like his father and no woman would ever love him. She's with his father. Or is she no longer with They, him? sorry, in the very, very beginning before I said his name, they divorced when he was nine. Uh, so then at 10, he started doing all that shit with, like, the cat heads and uh, all that. So yeah. the divorce set him off, kind I of? I guess. Maybe. Yeah, it could have. Okay. So later, like, in interviews and stuff, Kemper would describe his mom as a sick, angry woman, which, by the stuff that she said, I guess I can understand that. So um, it was uh, assumed that she suffered from a borderline personality disorder. Now, it was never tested, but they think that now out of all the facts and stuff that they have based off her, that she probably would have that. Okay. So She did? Not yet in the story. <laughs> oh, let's say my bad. <laughs> okay. So at age 14, okay, Kemper, uh, Kemper ran away from home in an attempt to go back to his father who lived in Van Nuys, California. Once he was there, he learned that his father had already remarried and had a new stepson. Uh-oh. Poor thing. He didn't even know. So, not poor thing. He's an asshole. Whatever. So, Kemper stayed with his father for a little while. And then guess what happened? He killed his father. No. His dad killed him. No. He's still alive. He killed the stepson. <laughs> no, he was sent to sit, um, to live with his paternal grandparents. I literally said that. Like, to in North Fork, yeah. That's why I looked at you. Okay. So here's a little bit of where it gets uh, a little sticky. <clears throat> On August 27th of 1964. Right? Yeah. So he got in an argument with his grandma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kemper stormed off. He went and got a rifle that his grandfather had given him because they hunted out there. Okay. He re-entered the kitchen after receiving or retrieving this uh, rifle here, shot his grandmother in the head before firing twice more into her back. And it's been known that he went into the kitchen to get a kitchen knife and stabbed her, I think, seven times. So it was out of pure anger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know if she died, like, after the gunshots or, like... I mean, the first one went through her head, I, I... I assume she died right then, so I don't think she felt anything. So that's why I think the rest of it was just, like, hatred. Yeah, well, either way, whether she was alive or not, it was, like... Oh, yeah. 
So unnecessary. Grandpa wasn't home at this time. Okay. Grandpa Camper returned from the grocery store. Grandson Kemper went outside and fatally shot him in the driveway before making it into the front door, right? Okay. Okay. So, after shooting his grandma, after shooting his grandfather, he calls his mom. And he's like, hey, mom, I just shot grandma and grandpa. What do I do now? (laughs) So, his mom's like, okay, we'll contact the local police. So Kemper called the police and waited to be taken into custody. Okay. So later on, he was questioned by authorities and they asked him, why did you kill your grandma? These are his words. Quote, just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. You can tell right then he doesn't even understand what he did. He's like, I just wanted to see what it felt like. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Like, I mean, I, I understand that. I mean, I think that, like, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. But at the same time, for someone that's 15 or 14, 15. Yeah. To, like, literally kill your grandma and not think of, like, repercussion. You know what I mean? I feel like he just didn't care. Because, like, he killed grandpa and he already knew what killing grandma was like. So, Uh it's like. So, the thing about the grandpa is they asked him, like, well, why did you kill grandpa, right? Yeah. He said that he didn't want grandpa to find out that his wife was dead. There was nothing with like hatred or anything. He was just like, I didn't want you to know. I wonder if that's like really <laughs> what his thought was. I don't know. That's what he says. But crazy. Freaking. Ugh. Okay. So his crimes at this point were deemed incomprehensible for a 15 year old to commit, which is kind of where. I was saying, like, yeah. I don't think he truly understood, but the court diagnosed him with paraphoids, um, Paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. And he went to S. Atascad. Okay, hang on. How do you say that? At, I just told myself I was going to look this up. I think it's Atascadero. Atascadero State Hospital. At, I, I seriously, I went to write it down because I watched the um, documentary of it and they said it and I never went back and wrote Don't anyway, look it up. It's A T A S C A. D-E-R-O, State Hospital. Okay, so anyways, this is a maximum security facility that um, houses mental ill convicts. So, Kemper was known to be a model prisoner and was trained to administer psychiatric tests to other inmates. Isn't that nice? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like this is something where they helped him become a worse person. Because he was now learning what they looked for to know what not to do. Right. Mm-hmm. He's very smart. So he's very smart. He's His IQ, yeah, is 145. 145. So you think some kid with a 145 IQ going in where he's technically supposed to be in high school, right? So you're still in that phase where they're teaching you to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. And he's going in here and he's not going to school. He's going on here and learning, oh, this person's crazy because he did X, Y, Z. I'll just do A, B, C instead. Right. And I won't get caught. That's literally what they did to help him. They helped him through it. Anyways. So one of the psychiatrists um, stated, quote, he was a very good worker, and this is not typical of a sociopath. He took pride in his work. (laughs) So my comment is, I mean, I would too if I was trying to figure out how to not get caught. (laughs) I would be the perfect student. Perfect student. I would want to learn everything. 
So wait, I don't understand. Like, is he just trying to get out? That he's trying to be like so good that they're like he's better now. Mm-hmm. He's trying to like be the good kid, be on his best behavior, so he gets out. And he's always been super good with people. Like he was friends. Um, I'll go into where he's like friends with the police for a while. Like he's a very just this calm guy. And if you watch his interviews, he doesn't. I mean, I don't want to say he doesn't lie. He might lie, but he's very just calm. He tells you his story. He truly believes nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. So if you're like in the psychiatric ward and these people are crazy or have done something crazy and he's in there like, yeah, okay, just this calm little boy and not reacting to anything. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh my God, this kid's amazing. Here, help me with X, Y, Z. And all he's doing is, okay, let me check my boxes and make sure I don't do these things. That's pretty interesting. So... He is noted for his large size, so he was 6'9". I know in high school, I think he said it was 6'5", but he's 6'9". That's huge. Mm -hmm. Okay, so December 18th of 1969, on his 21st... What? On his 20th... Man, okay. Someone just got pulled over. On his 21st birthday, he was released, and he was regarded as a non-threatening person. So that's what he wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. He was on good behavior Mm -hmm. so that they would be like, he's fine now. It was just like a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he was released back into the care of his wonderful mother. Isn't that great? That's a 21-year-old? Mm-hmm. 21-year-old released back to his mom, the one that made him live in a fucking basement. A locked basement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, psychiatrists had told them not to put him back with his mother, but they did it anyway. His mother was, um, like, an AA worker at Cal State Santa Cruz. So I want you to kind of keep that little snippet of information in mind. Hey, a worker. Uh, like an administrative assistant. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. I was like alcoholics and all that. No, 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 no. <laughs> like an assistant at Cal State. That's uh, where my brain works. Yeah. So he, I guess that kind of just comes into play because his nickname is the co-ed killer. Okay. And his mom worked at Santa Cruz. Okay. Cool. Keep it in mind. So during the time that he got out, he worked like little basic jobs for like security um, with the highway department, which is now known as the California Department of Transportation. He remained, um, I'm so sorry, he remained, he maintained relationships with Santa Cruz police officers. They used to like hang out at this bar and he would go hang out with them. And he, um, in the interview, he said like, um, they asked him like, we heard that like you were like friends with the police basically. And he was like, I was like a nuisance with the police. I was always there. I wanted to know what was going on. He was like, I got inside information and they never will pick on the nuisance. He was like, they don't care. They don't think that you're it because you're always around. Mm-hmm. He was like, so they never suspect you literally in an interview. And where'd he learn that from? Hanging out, hanging out. Okay. So during this time, he really didn't have the best relationship with his mom still. Um, One of the arguments, he said, quote, my mother and I started right on horrendous battles, just horrible battles, violent and vicious. I've never been in such vicious verbal battle with anyone. It would go to fists with a man, but this was my mother and I couldn't stand the thought of my mother and I doing these things. She insisted on it and just over stupid things. I remember one roof raiser roof razor was over whether I should have cleaned my teeth. So basically his mom is like getting the, I mean, I, if he's 21 and he's not brushing his teeth, yes, of course, that's a huge fucking issue. Right. But at the same time, getting into like these heated arguments over something where I don't know, I see it and I don't see it. 
you know what I mean? Like, as a parent, I see getting mad if your kid doesn't brush their teeth. But I feel like... Getting into, like, a vicious battle, and this is what he remembers, is I didn't brush my teeth. I feel like there's a lot of underlying issues, you know? Like, he killed... Was it her parents that he killed? No. It was the dad's parents? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, she's like... Paternal is, like, father. Paternal. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Kemper eventually saved enough money, and he moved out with a friend in Alameda. He still complained of not being able to get away from his mom. Um, she would literally... What is going on today? Something happened. I feel like there's been some... It's not even like a holiday weekend. Somebody's getting in trouble out there. Okay. So, um, he, um, the mom would like regularly phone call him and she would literally show up and just surprise him to visit him. I mean, if you really don't get along with your son, I think probably calling and warning him like, Hey, I'm going to come over is probably a good thing. Yeah. Cause just like popping up, surprising him is just being like, I just want to make sure you're not doing anything stupid, mm-hmm. which I mean, he's already killed two people. So can I really be upset that she showed up? Uh, he often had like financial difficulties and he would often return to his mother's apartment. So that kind of sucks. He kept going back. So at Santa Cruz, Kemper met a student um, from, oh, I'm sorry, at Santa Cruz Beach, not the college, the beach. He met a student from Turlock High School who he became engaged to, and I want you to remember, remember this date, in March of 1973. Okay. Okay. 73. So the gauge, the engagement was um, eventually broken off after Kemper's second arrest and his fiance's parents re- um, requested that her name not be revealed to the public, which I completely understand. You go, girl. Okay. So the same year that he began working for the uh, highway department, Kemper was hit by a car while riding a motorcycle that he had purchased. Okay. Bad day. Car accident. His arm was injured, but he received 15000 at that time, which in 2019 is now 90000 in the settlement. Mm-hmm. So he received $90,000 for hurting his arm. So with that money, he bought a 1969 Ford Galaxy. And at this point, he started to notice a large number of women hitchhiking. And throughout this, he started... So in the beginning, he literally would like help these women, he would just pick them up, he would drop them off, hitchhikers, right? So then eventually he even says, like, in his interview that it became kind of like a game of what more can I do? So, like, eventually he would start carrying a knife and eventually he would start carrying a gun. And it's like this game with himself on how far can I go. Right. Not okay. Um. Okay, so he began picking up women, peacefully letting them go. He states that he picked up around 150 hitchhikers. So 150 of these women made it out okay. Imagine, like, being one of those women. Yeah, and knowing now, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So um, these are most likely women, or most of them are women, that were found at Cal State Santa Cruz. He had easy access. His mom worked there. Okay. Okay. Um... There was literally a time where the police were telling women to only trust cars with a California Santa Cruz sticker. But guess what? He had one because his mom worked there. Mm -hmm. So he was a car that these women could trust. So now the women were like, Mm -hmm. oh, I trust him. I trust him. They literally told me I could trust someone with that sticker. Yep. Okay. So at this point, he already has killed both of his grandparents. On May 7th of 1972, Kemper was driving in Berkeley when he picked up two 18-year-old 
hitchhiking Fresno State students. Um, Mary Ann Pence and Anita Mary Luchosa. They were wanting to go to Stanford University. After driving with Ed Kemper for about an hour, he managed to reach a secluded wooded area near Alameda. Here he handcuffed Marianne and locked Anita in the trunk. So two friends, me and you. He handcuffs you in the car. He takes me and shoves me the fuck in the trunk. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, cry. Dude, yeah. So... <clears throat> He stabbed and strangled Marianne, which is the one that was in the car, to death before he went back to the trunk and killed his friend in about the same manner. So stab and strangle. Kemper later confessed that while handcuffing Marianne, he brushed the back of his hand against her breast and it embarrassed him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Adding that, he said, quote, whoops, I'm sorry. Or something like that. that which was, was in his, his interview. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sorry for murdering you in a minute. I'm just sorry that I accidentally touched your boot. Okay. So, <clears throat> Kemper ended up putting both of the women's bodies in the trunk of this Ford Galaxy. He went to return to his apartment. He was stopped on the way home by a police officer. Of course. Because he had a broken tail light. But the officer didn't detect anything and let him keep going. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Okay, so that night Kemper's roommate was not at home. He literally took the bodies into his apartment. And he took photographs of these girls. Had sexual intercourse with them. Okay, yeah. here's my question. Because uh -huh. I was going to ask you. I, I remember there was like some kind of like sexual thing. Mm -hmm. So why was he... You threw me off when you said that he was embarrassed when he accidentally touched. Right? And then he goes and fucking has sex with their dead body. Okay. I don't fucking... It doesn't make sense. Okay. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that I touched oh, so your boob, yeah, but I'm going to go touch them later. So the fact that it wasn't intentional was what I guess. was embarrassing. Yeah. Because he... Okay. I don't know. Okay. So he had sexual intercourse with these... Poor young ladies and dismembered them. So much shit. Okay. So he puts the bodies into plastic bags. He abandoned them there um, near Loma Prieta Mountain. Um, before disposing of both of these ladies, he severed their heads. Severed. Severed. So sorry. Severed their heads. And he literally engaged in um, irrumation. Do you know what that is? No. Okay. So it's basically, this is kind of graphic. So if you're under the age of 18, please skip forward 15 seconds. Um, but this is basically like making these heads give you a blowjob. Oh, so like oral sex with uh -huh. a decapitated With head. a decapitated head. Mm -hmm. Oral rape. Oral fucking rape. With just the head. Just the head. Okay. So <clears throat> um, Marianne's skull was found on the mountain. They've tried really hard to find the remains of Mary, but they haven't found anything of her. Really? Mm -hmm. Not a trace, it states. Okay, so that was in May. That was on May 7th. This next story is from September of the same year, of 1972. Kemper picked up a 15-year-old dance student who had decided to hitchhike to a dance class after missing her bus. 
He again drove her to a remote area, and when he pulled over, this is the one that I think you'll really remember, is he accidentally locked himself out of the car. So this 15-year-old is in the car and locked herself in the car. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he was literally able to somehow gain this 15-year-old's trust, which I understand when you're 15, especially being in a car with some crazy person you really don't know what to do. But she let him back in. Yeah. Just feel like... Not, like, I know you would think you have no other option. Yeah. But like, I... I don't know. Like, eventually, I think he would have shot her. I really do. Like, if he had his rifle with him that time, too. You know? Like, I think she... I mean, she would have maybe died either way. But that's terrifying. And that's something that I think now... I mean, we all have cell phones. So, it'd be a little different. Or if you locked yourself in a car, you could dial 911. Yeah. And maybe try and send someone to help you. And, phone, yeah. and I don't know if that would be better or worse being like I already called 911 and maybe he would scram. Or if he called 911, maybe he would just kill you and then scram. Yeah. So I don't really know how that would have all worked out. But <clears throat> I um, love that you use the word scram. Skedaddle. <laughs> Skedaddle. <out of> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I feel really bad. I missed, um, I missed her name. Uh, this poor girl's name is Aiko Ku, K-O-O. So <clears throat> back inside the car, he held her at gunpoint, proceeded to choke her unconscious, raped her, and killed her. Uh, Kemper um, packed her body into the trunk of his car, went to a nearby bar, had a few drinks, mm-hmm. and then returned to his apartment. He later confessed that after exiting the bar, he opened up the trunk of his car and, quote, admiring his catch like a fisherman. What a Fucking asshole. Oh my god, I can't. Okay. So back at his apartment, as the other girls, he had sexual intercourse with the corpse before dismembering and disposing of the remains in a similar uh, similar manner. Um, this girl's parents called the police to report the disappearance of her daughter, but nothing ever came in. Horrible. Okay, now this is where I want you to remember the date of when he got engaged. Those murders, those three murders were in 72. He yeah. literally didn't even get engaged until 73. Yeah. So that means he was engaged to someone or dating someone while this is fucking happening. That's like Ted Bundy, It's like right? Ted Bundy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the beginning of January. So January 7th of 73. He, uh, Ed Kemper had moved back in with his mom. He was driving around the city. He picked up an 18-year-old student um, named Cynthia Ann or Cindy Shell. Uh, he drove to a sequestered water, uh, wooded area, fatally shot her. He then placed her body in the trunk of his car, drove to his mother's house where he kept the body hidden in the closet <clears throat> in his room overnight. When his mom left for work the next morning, he had sexual intercourse, removed the bullet from her corpse. That way he couldn't be identified. Where do you think he learned that? By the police, right? Well, that's what I'm assuming, right? He used to hang out with them in that bar, and they're probably like, oh, yeah, we found that it was this type of gun. Yeah. So him literally removing that bullet takes out, they don't know what kind of gun it is. They don't know what to look for. He's really smart. He's fucking, he's a horrible genius. A horrible genius. (sighs) Okay, so he dismembered um, Shaw's corpse, decapitated her in his mother's bathtub, Kemper kept her, uh, just the head, kept uh, Cindy's head for several days. Okay. 
regularly engaging in rumination before burying this head in his mother's garden facing upward toward her bedroom. What a fucking crazy person. So basically this corpse is in the ground, right? But he aimed it to where it's always looking in his mother's bedroom. That's so weird. It's creepy as fuck. It's so creepy. So basically he said that he did this because his mom always wanted people to look up to her. What a fucking weirdo. Like, what the hell? Okay. So he discarded the remains um, over the next few weeks. All but her head and right hand were discovered. They pieced her together like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, They advised that she was cut into pieces by a power saw. Okay, that was January 7th. Less than a month later, February 5th of 1973, after a heated argument with his mother, Kemper left the house in search of victims because he was pissed. And in this interview that he has... He literally says, I would have picked up anybody and killed them that day. I was really mad. So it's not like it was like this, oh, I'm sorry, whatever. It was just like whoever got into my fucking car. Whoever got in my car. Well, is that how he picked all of his other victims? Like it was just whoever happened to like get in the car? And that's the thing. I don't know if like it was like he picked up the two girls, right? I don't know if there was anybody in between him picking up the next girl or if it was like, oh, he like a few people got away. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. You, I, or was it no just idea. everyone? Right. Because it just says that he took these 150 in the beginning and they all are okay. And then it was like sporadic shit. Okay. So, um, like I said earlier in the story, the students were advised to only accept, um, accept rides from cars with the university stickers. And um, he, at the University of Santa Cruz campus, encountered a 23-year-old, uh, Rosalind Heather Thorpe. Uh, according to Kemper, when Thorpe, um, oh, sorry, this is Thorpe and Alice Helen, Allison is what they called her. So Heather or Rosalind, Rosalind Heather, I don't like that they put their middle name. I feel like that's way too much information. Rosalind and Allison got picked up from the Santa Cruz campus. Um, according to Heather, um, Rosalind was the one that got in first. And Rosalind was the one that reassured Alice, like, no, it's okay. No big deal. We're just going to get a ride from him, right? So at that point, he fatally shot both of them, wrapped their bodies in blankets. He again brought his victims back to his mother's house. This time he beheaded them both in the car and carried the headless corpses into his mother's house to have sexual intercourse with both of them. He dismembered the bodies, again, removing the bullets to prevent identification. And the next morning, discarded their remains. So... Some of their remains were found at Eden Canyon, um, and more were found near Highway 1 in March of that year. Okay. So he was questioned in an interview um, why he would decapitate his victims. He explained, quote, the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid You cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's night that he said, well, it's dot, dot, dot. So I'm not sure if he said something in between that, but it says dot, dot, dot. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left to a girl's body without their head. Oh my God. Fucking asshole. Like I, I want to kill him. I'll do it. You'll do it. I'll do it. Where is he located at? He is located. Are you taking a road trip? 
Oh my god, I still have so many notes left. Okay, he is at. I should have highlighted it for you since I knew you would ask me, but I wrote it down. I swear. At the California Medical Facility. Oh, so he's here. Uh huh. Yeah, he's in California. Yep. Okay. So that was February. On March 20th of 1973, his mom was awakened by her son arriving. Now, this is interesting because in the um, in the interview, he says that his mom came home from a party. Okay. But in, like, the documentation, it says that he came home from somewhere. Okay. So I don't know who came home. Someone, someone came, came home. home. And someone woke someone up. Someone woke up. So I guess... Um, she was sitting there and she started reading a book and Kemper entered the room and his mom said to him, I suppose, or quote, I suppose you're going to want to sit up and talk all night now. Kemper replied, no, good night. So he waited for her to fall asleep. He returned bludgeoning her with a claw hammer and slit her throat with a knife. He decapitated her and engaged in irrumation with your mom. Yeah, he had mommy issues. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, whatever the case was, there was abuse from the mom. Mm-hmm. Whether it was because she was an asshole and a crazy, mm-hmm. or because, like, she truly feared for the safety of her other kids. I don't know. But massive mama issues. Yeah. Massive. So, <clears throat> that happened, and then, with her severed head, he used it as a dartboard. <clears throat> He also cut out her tongue and larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. Okay. Absolutely disgusting. However, the garbage disposal couldn't break down the vocal cords oh and ejected it back into the sink. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so fucking disgusting. Okay, so Kemper said this. Quote, that seemed appropriate as much as she as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. Oh my god. Goodness. This fucking guy, right? Okay, so he hit, he hid his mother's corpse in a closet and went out for a drink. You know, gotta have a beer. Upon his return, he invited his mother's best friend over, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor. No, and um, he invited her over to, you know, have dinner and watch a movie. Did he kill her? Nice. When she arrived, Kemper strangled her to death to create a cover story that his mother... And Sally had gone away together on vacation. What? The- uh-huh. okay. he, uh, he put Sally's corpse in the closet, obscured any outward signs of disturbance, and left a note to the police. <clears throat> it read, Approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, Asleep the way I wanted it, not sloppy and incomplete, just a lack of time I got things to do. No. Does that make any fucking sense? Because I've read it multiple times and it really doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I wasn't a... No, it literally does not make sense, but that's supposedly a note he left, okay? Wait, I don't understand. I don't either. The note? That's what doesn't make sense. He literally left a note that basically, to my understanding, says no need for her to suffer anymore. Right. It was quick. It was quick, basically, right? She was asleep and the way I wanted it. Right. It wasn't sloppy and incomplete. First of all, it was not quick if you use a fucking hammer. Right. Um, But Um, also, wasn't the whole story that they went away on vacation? 
Right. Like, that's why he called the exactly. neighbor over and, like, made this So this story. isn't a cover story. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I've read it multiple times trying to figure it out, and I just, I can't. It doesn't make sense. So if you guys know, email me, because I'm confused. Uh, okay. So after that happened, Kemper left. He drove nonstop to Pueblo, Colorado, taking caffeine pills to stay awake for the thousand-mile journey. He had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in his car. And he believed that he was a target of an active manhunt. He was proud of this. Okay. Of being in a manhunt? Uh-huh. So, after not hearing any news on the radio about the murders of his mother and Sally, he found a phone booth and called the police and confessed himself. <laughs> he wanted the attention. He wanted the attention. He wanted them to be out looking for him. That's why he ran. And he was like, oh, they're not looking for me anyway. I'm just going to call myself in. So he called the police. <clears throat> the police did not take him seriously and told him to call back at a later time. What the fuck? So he literally called him. He said, literally called him and was like, I murdered confess to murdering my mother and her friend Sally. And they were like, dude, stop messing with us. Go home. What in the actual fuck? This is a joke. Okay. So when that didn't work, guess what? He called again asking to speak to an officer he personally knew because, you know, they're all buddies. He confessed to that officer of killing his mother and Sally. Now they took him seriously and the police arrived, took him into custody, and he confessed to the other six students. So Kemper was indicted on eight accounts of first degree murder. And this was on May 7th of 1973. So, my question is, there was a murder in January, a murder in February, two in uh, April. In May, he was indicted of first-degree murder. When was this proposal? Because I don't understand. He just had time to do that, too? <laughs> this was in 73? Yeah. All of these happened in 73. What month was he engaged in? No idea. It just oh. says 73. But it had to have been before May 7th, right? He probably so he murdered someone in January and in February. So March is his only clean month. In April, he killed two people. And then in May, he's going to jail. Well, so he had March. You only need five minutes to propose. Would you propose someone to someone that like you don't spend any time with because they're busy murdering and having oral sex with Well, you don't know corpses any of that. Cut off heads. Are you asking me if I would agree to no, marry someone? I just hope Maybe we would think a little bit harder on this. If a guy doesn't hang out with you, maybe he there was. might be something wrong. I don't know. There's too much going on for him to have that much time. Okay. So <clears throat> due to Kemper's confession, the council's only option was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Kemper was tried twice. Oh, I'm so sorry. Was tried twice. He tried twice to commit suicide. Uh, he went to trial on October 23rd of 1973. They, the psychiatrist found him to be sane. Perfect. Thank you. On November 1st, he took the stand. He testified that he killed the victims because he wanted them, quote, for myself, like possessions, and attempted to convince the jury that he was insane based on reasoning that his actions could have only been committed by someone with a crazy mind, which, you know what? You're fucking crazy. I believe it. 
On November 8th, a week later, the six-man, six-woman jury deliberated for five hours before declaring Kemper sane and guilty on all accounts. He asked to be dead by torture. So he wanted, you know, to play the game of electric chair or gas chamber because, you know, he was used to that already. Um, But since it was in California, capital punishment had already been suspended he received seven years to life for each count and with these terms to be served um, concurrently. And he's sentenced to the California medical facility where he's still there today. He is actually in the same prison block as Charles Manson. Interesting, right? Too Fucking too crazy. Charles Manson. Alive. I don't know. I don't think Charles Manson is still alive. Okay. So they were housed together at some point. They, yeah, they might've been. Mm-hmm. Like- well, okay. So, it's just the table. <laughs> I'm moving it. You're good. Um, in The Mindhunter, such a fucking crazy person on Netflix. Oh, my God. Okay, so The Mindhunter on Netflix, it has them, like, in the same facility, and they talk to both of them. So I would just have to look up their timelines and see. Okay. But, yeah, so he's in the same block as them or was in the same block as them. He was nicknamed the co-ed killer because most of his victims were students at co-educational institutions. He remains among the general popula- population in prison. He's and in is, gen pop? He's in gen pop and considered a model prisoner. Of course he is. Of course he is, because he, he knows how to work it. the fucking yeah. system. Uh-huh. Uh, he, is, uh, he was in charge of scheduling inmates' appointments with psychiatrists. Why do they keep giving him these roles? Mm-hmm. He was an accomplished craftsman of ceramic cups. And he was a reader for books on tape for the blind. So maybe if you've listened to a book, it could be Ed Kemper's voice. Wait, just in jail or like? No, no, no. Like for do you have people? Do you have any of the the titles for these books that he voiced? No. Okay. <laughs> damn it! I almost got all of your questions. You're really good at this. God damn it! Okay, Sorry. I thought I'd, I have nine fucking pages of notes and I miss one of your fucking questions. Okay, so Kemper's forthcoming about the nature of his crimes, which you can watch on YouTube as I did. Um, He, this is kind of the timeline, okay? So he was first eligible for parole in 1979. He was denied. Thank God. He was at parole hearings in 1980, 81, and 82. In 85, he waived his right to a hearing. He was denied parole in 1988. Um, he was denied parole again in 1991 and in 1994. He waived his right to a hearing in 1997 and 2002. He attended the hearing in 2007 where he was denied again. (sighs) Okay, so he is currently 71. He will be 74 when he is next eligible for parole in 2024. Uh, One of the prosecutors states, quote, we don't care how much of a model model prisoner he is because of the enormity of his crimes. Thank fucking God. Yeah, and he's done this before. Mm -hmm. Yep. He knows how to play the game. He sure fucking does. He sure does. (sighs) So that's the crazy story. That's the crazy story of Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer. I had heard this before, obviously. Like, it's such a big story. It is a very big story. But I only remembered the parts about him going to his grandparents' house Mm -hmm. and killing them. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fucking crazy person. And if you're into, like, 
crime, which I'm hoping you are if you watch this podcast and you haven't watched Mindhunter, the guy that plays Ed Kemper does such a good job. And I didn't realize how good of a job it was until I watched the interviews, the interviews? with Ed Kemper. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Dude, something is, there's like an apocalypse going on outside. Something is fucking going on. It's never like that. Every great once in a while, I'll hear the fire department. But not all these fucking cops. What's going on? It's a Sunday night. Chill out. Okay, anyways. That's Ed Kemper. Bow. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to not to say anymore. Um, you were the second one, right? <laughs> you can't say that now. I have to delete it. Oh, you're recording already? <laughs> I don't want to keep it because it's funny. Okay. Brit, great job. <laughs> you did so fucking good right now. Just 20 seconds ago. I love the story. Oh my gosh. Now we have to give away our secret. Okay, guys. Truth we... hurts. Mm-hmm. And we got to tell you. It's the year of truth. It's the year of truth. So we record our episodes like a month in advance. <laughs> we're, okay, no. Uh, we record like a couple weeks. Two, three weeks. Yeah. Usually we're like at least three episodes ahead because we get together once a week and record two episodes. Yeah. So, because we always want to have an episode ready to go. Um, so, yeah, usually uh, we forget <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> so we have to like go back and listen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we do our intros at our exits the week that it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, that's why I'm usually oh, confused shit. and asking Brittany, like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> what your story. story did you and do? She's like, no, <laughs> you went first this time uh, because we literally, I, I don't know. It's okay. It's all right. Um, yeah, but let's wrap it up. Anyway, we did a really long episode. So if you're still here, thank you so much. And we won't keep you waiting. We anymore. won't keep you waiting anymore. It's okay. We're going to move We're on. Done. We'll move to the next episode now. But make sure and follow our Instagram, The Haunted and The Wanted, our Twitter, That W Podcast. And please send in your listener audience personable spooky stories, spooky stories at thehauntedandthewanted at gmail.com. Yep. The link is in the description on Apple, Spotify, with the one overcast, them, whatever they are. Everything. <laughs> Everything. So make sure you send them in. There's no excuses. Hashtag 2020. No excuses. And I got this. Thank you for listening to this podcast that's 50% haunted. 50% wanted. And 100% that W podcast. Bye. Bye.